Excited to bring you the upcoming interview with a very special guest. You'll hear her discussing all the great and courageous work that she is currently engaged in. And if you feel inspired to help her with these efforts, please consider making a donation earmarked for her projects. Or feel free to give a general donation that will support the wider movement in Myanmar. Our ongoing support is so helpful and appreciated by the Burmese people during these dark days. Simply go to insightmyanmar.org donation to contribute today. Or stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear more options. Now, let's hear from that guest herself. speaking to Suthit, and I'm so pleased to have her on. Suthit is the wife of a former soldier who has defected from the Tatmadaw, the Burmese military. And we're going to talk to her a bit about their decision, as well as her ongoing brave work encouraging other military wives to push for defection. So Suthit, thank you so much for coming on today. And before we go further into the talk, I would also like to ask you first, how comfortable do you feel in taking on the topic that follows in our upcoming talk? Do you have any concerns about being so open in your criticism of the Tamada? Uh, hello. Uh, I'm also thank you for giving a chance to answer the interview. Uh, before I answer the question, I, I will let you know all the answers are just my opinion and they are not representative of anyone or any other organization. Uh, to answer your question, I think uh, Demiro is a place where soldiers and their families have lost their human rights because everyone is being controlled by orders from above, even though it is wrong or unfair for them. Criticizing the military force uh, that is ruling the country with guns and bullets uh, is not without consent. I fear for the safety of my family and other loved ones 
and I fear for the safety of myself and my husband, even though we are in a safe place now. The future is uncertain, but we must keep our concerns aside and work for the revolution. Yeah, I can definitely understand and imagine where you're coming from. Thank you. And I think it's really courageous for taking the time to speak with us, knowing these risks that are there. I think this also speaks to the dedication that you have of trying to do the right thing for your country. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about yourself and your life. So if you can give me some background about yourself, perhaps the religious or political beliefs that you were brought up with. Uh, yes, uh, my background is like other ordinary persons. Uh, I grew up living quite a simple life. Uh, I graduated in 2008 and I worked as a season marketing manager in Hotels for eight years. Uh, then I got married. Uh, I was taught by my parents to respect everyone and also respect their beliefs, even if they are different from mine. That is why when our country had democracy for the past 10 years, I was so joyful. Uh, finally, I felt that our country would be placed where everyone can participate equally for the development of the nation. Uh, even though our democratic system had many flaws, we still felt grateful after six years of military rule. And that is why when the military coup occurred, I was shocked. Uh, it was something that I could not accept at all. Right. I think you and so many people couldn't accept it. Of course, you and your husband were in a very unique position in terms of who you were and what you were doing. <clears throat> so I'd like to learn a little bit more about the experience of you and your husband, Ted Miat. He was a soldier in Myanmar's military. And I'm curious a bit more about his experiences in the military and your experiences as a military wife before the coup. So can you share a bit about why he joined the military and your feelings about him being a soldier? Uh, well, I would like to talk about experiences of soldier wife uh, more than about him. After I was married, all of the soldiers I have met were friendly. I haven't met the kind of Korean soldiers that we see on news after the coup. Uh, I was shocked to know that such cruelty had existed inside the military. Maybe it was hidden. Uh, maybe I just did not see. Uh, but whatever it is, it is a shame for any organization, especially one uh, that is supposed to be protecting the people to be committing such cruel acts upon innocent civilians. Uh, this is one of the reasons why we join CDM movement. Um, my husband and I wanted to be on the right side of history. Uh, he wanted to be on the civilian side and stand for the justice. I see, right. So can you tell me a bit about what your husband was actually doing before the coup? Just uh, <clears throat> before the coup, my husband was in Bioli for training. After the coup, I encouraged him to join the CDM movement, and he himself wanted to join the people as well. Uh, he was very sad that 
to hear and see the brutality committed upon peaceful protesters. Uh, but joining CDM movement is not easy as packing a bag to go to the beach. Uh, it was very hard, especially because the military is always monitoring its soldiers. Uh, he had to plan very careful to leave the base. That is why we were only able to join the movement in June. I see. I see. So it took some plans and some time to be able to figure out how to act on your volition. Uh, I understand that wives and families, they live in military compounds, so this does make it hard to get to safety. Can you describe a bit about life behind the walls in the military compound? I think many of our listeners would really have no idea what this was like and what the culture was. Uh, yes, wives and families live in military compounds, and the soldier wives have to do uh, chores for wives of other soldiers who are higher ranked. For example, if you are a captain's wife, you have to do for course chores for the wives of the major, and what wife may have to do chores for the wife of the colonel. It is an unfair and unjust system. Uh, to be honest, I don't know who makes these rules, uh, but it is there as part of the institutional culture. Uh, this, that is why we must change and reform the entire institution. I, I see. So that's really interesting. So you're describing like the hierarchical nature of the military is also replicated in having a kind of hierarchy of the wives, and that was the system that you were in. And I'm also curious, in the military compound, in within the camp where you lived, how much access did you have to life outside of the compound in the villages, or were your movements in your life very controlled inside? Uh, the people inside the military cannot go outside uh, after the coup. Uh, they control and they close the door of the military uh, compound. Uh, if you want to buy uh, clothes or if you want to buy uh, basic needs, uh, you have to order from the outside. Uh, nobody uh, have to go outside after the coup. Yes. Right. And how about before the coup? Did you did you have much interaction outside of the compound or or no? Oh, yes. Before the coup is okay, uh, we can go outside easily. Mm, right. And so then on February 1st, when the coup was launched, uh, what were your and your husband's feelings about what had happened on February 1st? Uh, as I have said before, both my husband and I were devastated to hear the news of the coup. Uh, we felt like our future had disappeared and a dead cloud had covered our country. I couldn't even think of what I would do the next day. I think all Myanmar people felt like I did. The generous robot as of our futures and dreams. Uh, now we are going to take it back. Mm. And why did he decide to defect? I wonder if you can walk me through the conversations that you had regarding the possibility and I'm sure they were very tense and very difficult conversations to have about your future and your safety and your morals. And as you had those conversations, why did you decide to follow through with it? Uh, yes, 
Uh, he told me how he felt the wolves when soldiers attack like terrorists to civilians who are aimless. Uh, my husband felt helpless when he couldn't help the civilians, uh, but he also could not be on the side of the same people who are acting like terrorists. That is why he decided to participate in the CDM movement. We did not do this just because of our beliefs. Uh, we did this for our future generation as well. Although I don't have any children now, I do not want my children to be born under a dictatorship. I want them to be born under a democratic state. I'm sure our sons and daughters can be proud of us for what we are doing in this revolution. That's Thanks. incredibly brave and courageous to hear. And also, I think, just kind of speaks to the sacrifice and the commitment that so many people in the country right now are having towards democratic ideals and ideals of human rights that the West so-called supports, but hasn't really done much more than statements. And yet, you guys on the ground are making these incredible acts of courage and, and these decisions to sacrifice and to risk safety in order to try to achieve the country that you want to live in. So I just, for one, find this incredibly inspiring, and I think listeners do as well. So you and your husband decided to defect. You decided that you were going to leave the military. Once you decided this, I wonder if you can share how you got to safety. And I, I, I asked this question knowing that you can't tell all the details, and I don't want you to, but as much generally as you're able to share, uh, how did you get into safety? Uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, I cannot tell the details also uh, because of the security. Uh, but uh, uh, what you should know is that defection is a very difficult and dangerous path. Uh, we were also so worried the military might arrest any one of us along our journeys. <clears throat> After my husband made a decision to leave the military, our main priority was to get to safety. Uh, we secretly discussed just the two of us on how we will do. Uh, it was a long journey, but we made it. Uh, we are fortunate because there are so many soldiers who cannot take this journey because it is still unsafe for them. Uh, we just did not get to safety. Uh, we got to freedom, uh, but we must help others other soldiers who are still like uh, prisoners inside the military defect to freedom. Uh, thank you. Right. Yeah, I can imagine that is what you're doing now, which we'll get to in a moment, how you're helping others to make the courageous decision that you made. Before we get there, can you tell me, as far as you're safe to do, and don't give anything that compromises your safety, can you tell me anything about the conditions that you're living in now, now that you've left the umbrella and the shelter of the Tamada? Uh, okay. Uh, what I can tell you is that uh, we are living in basic conditions now. Uh, what is for sure is that uh, all those who join CDM uh, left they left all their positions behind, like family, houses, 
friends and so on. Uh, that is why I'm trying to help not just the FedEx soldiers, but also their family members. Uh, there are other children, including infants and wives of the FedEx soldiers, uh, that have made this big sacrifice. Uh, thank you. Yeah, certainly, certainly that's that's true. And you, um, you, you have gone on not just to try to set up a new life and knowing the risk it would take and the loss of the different amenities and comfort and security that you had, but you have also formed an organization that is trying to encourage more soldiers to defect, although you're actually focused on the, the spouses of the soldiers. The name of your organization is called the Spouses of People Soldiers. This sounds like incredible work, and can you tell me more about what it is you actually do? Uh, yes. Since <clears throat> uh, 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 we have an idea to join the CDM movement, uh, since at the time I have an idea to advocate the women's and uh, wives in Tamilo, uh, that's why uh, I founded, I started founded the spouses of people soldier uh, with the spouse of uh, national soldiers who have already defected. Uh, because uh, you know, the main obstacle for soldiers that want to defect is their concern for the security and livelihood livelihood of their families. If we are able to offer better protections and assurance for the family members, then more soldiers will take the bold step towards joining the people. Uh, with this in mind, uh, I found as well as the people soldiers, wife. Uh, as well as the best soldiers, and our desire uh, to help other spouse and their children uh, is shaped by our own experiences. Uh, we will admit admit that life in hiding or in the run is no easy life, uh, but standing up for justice is never an easy task. Uh, the organization work is twofold. Uh, the number one is advocate wives or soldiers to ask their husbands to defect. And number two is provide support for family members of defected soldiers. Uh, thank mm, you. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. That sounds great. And how is the work currently going? Uh, currently, we are giving uh, the... Uh, advo advocacy advocacy project uh, via Facebook page. Uh, we have Facebook page also. Uh, the Myanmar name is Bidu Sedazanimya. Like English, sponsors of people soldiers. Uh, we are doing uh, live stream, live stream broadcasting uh, with the defendant uh, people soldiers uh, on every Friday night. Uh, we want to reach. Uh, as we want to reach to the wives in Tamilo, uh, this uh, this program uh, we broadcast and we release in all the medias. Mm, and then uh, we give now we are giving uh, language training and vocational training uh, to survive after uh, they left from Tamilo. Um, and then we give the health health of 
issue also uh, because as you know hiding they have to hide uh, in every way they cannot go easily to the clinic uh, if they have health problems uh, that's why we uh, open the online online clinic also uh, who is uh, managed by the cdm medicare doctors captains so they can access uh, this uh, online and they can uh, they can get the uh, care uh, how, 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 how they should see how uh, what medicine they have to take uh, they can get the direction from this Medicare doctor uh, now we are doing yes. right that sounds like really great work and I don't know how much you can say on this but I wonder if you're also able to have direct conversations with some of the wives and the spouses that are considering having their themselves and their husband leave from the military have you are, are you able to have direct conversations and secret talks as they figure out what it is they want to do uh, some some spouses they, they can talk in public. Uh, we have challenged now. Uh, some spouses of CDM soldiers, uh, they could not tell in public uh, because they worry for the uh, for their safety. So we don't have uh, many members yet now. Uh, we have a few members only now. Yes. Mm, right. And are those spouses like yourselves who have already left the military, are you able to reach out and have private or secret conversations with those spouses that are still in the military? Yes, yes. Some, some uh, I can reach out them secretly. And how do those conversations go? Uh, they said they don't want to stay in military. They worry for their husband also. How they have to do, how they have to escape from the military. Uh, sometimes I can suggest, I can give advice. Um, if they want to, uh, if they want to camp out. But, uh, some people, they don't want to camp out. So for those who want to camp out, uh, we, we, we help, uh, in the arm. Uh, we of the defection, uh, we 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 help uh, from the starting to the end. Yes. Mm, and then there's other wives that you talk to that don't want to leave. Yes, some don't want to leave. What are the reasons they give why they don't want to leave? Uh, some give their family affairs. Uh, they have families. Uh, they cannot run away with the families. Uh, they worry for their future, how they eat, uh, how they live, uh, how to get the shadow. Uh, they worry. Uh, I, the main reason is this family affairs. Yes. Mm, right. And I imagine some of these conversations are not just one time, but they involve establishing a relationship and a rapport and talking to them over many days, weeks, even months, as you have these ongoing conversations to explore this together. Mm, sure, sure. 
Yeah. Right. So this is really great work that you're doing. And I'm sure that listeners hearing this would be quite interested in it. And I think one of the great things about it is obviously this, as this conflict has become more violent, this kind of work, working towards defections, is one of the greatest hopes for nonviolence we still have left if soldiers just simply decide to stop following orders and to step down. So this is for those that are really motivated to see a nonviolent resolution of the conflict. This is the greatest operation that's currently happening right now. So for those listeners that are motivated hearing this, is there anything they can do to support your work? Uh, okay. Uh, our organization was just recently established. Uh, so we need the help of everyone we can get. Uh, now it is just me and some other spousal CDM soldiers and a few volunteers. Uh, for example, a graphic designer can help us graphic posters to post on Facebook. A teach person can help us with supporting our teach requirements. Uh, a writer can help us write content, and if you are a donor, uh, you can contribute financially as well. As I mentioned before, uh, some of our brave defectors have come here with their spouse and children. They have left everything behind and in need of many things. Uh, even simple items such as clothing or baby diapers are in need. Uh, we need to purchase these for them. If you are someone who can support us, uh, please get in touch by emailing. Uh, I, I will give you the email address, our email address. Uh, contact us, contact at uh, bloomingbedout.org. Uh, thank yeah, you. And, and, and we will also have that email in the show notes. And listeners can also get in touch with us if they would like to volunteer in any of these ways that you've mentioned, or if they would like to give funds, they can do so directly, or they can always give funds to our nonprofit, Better Burma, and we can make sure that your organization gets those. Uh, one of the things I think is really interesting about what you're doing is that you're talking to the spouses, not the soldiers. And I think when I've learned about these defection campaigns and operations going on, I've thought, well, you have soldiers talking to soldiers and trying to encourage them to do the right thing. And I've talked to many other people about the nature of these conversations and how they're going on. And it had never occurred to me. I don't know why it didn't. It's a very obvious point that the role that a wife plays, why not have, instead of having, or not instead of, but in addition to having the soldiers talk to the soldiers, why not have the spouses talk to the spouses? So can you share why you think it's so valuable to not only be approaching and talking to the soldiers, but also to be placing effort on talking to the wives as well? Uh, a wife plays a very important role in the families of a Myanmar household. A wife is a counselor to the husband and plays an important part in making big decisions. Uh, this is why we need to encourage <coughs> defections to wife, uh, wives as well. Uh, because if the husband wants to defect and the wife is hesitant because she is concerned about the family's life afterwards, then the husband will not defect. Uh, that is why it is important to reach out to the wife too. Uh, but it is not alone 
uh, to just advocate, uh, we need to support the families once they, they, have, de they have defected. Uh, that is why we set up our organization. Uh, we will advocate and support the women and children who have made a uh, courageous choice to stand with the people. Uh, I myself also, I, I, I encourage my husband uh, because, as you know, uh, soldiers, uh, they have to uh, obey the order and command from the higher. So the wife have to encourage the husband. Uh, otherwise, husband is, as you know, uh, they are fitting with these orders. Uh, they, they will obey uh, if we if we cannot encourage uh, not to not to uh, not to do the civilians. Uh, otherwise, as you know, the soldiers are fitting with the commands and orders. Uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, sure. And that makes me curious. When looking at the decision of defection, I wonder if wives or husbands are closer to wanting to make that decision. I know that every couple is different and you can't make a general statement, but if uh, just looking overall at, <clears throat> at the couples that you know, at the military wives as well as the soldiers, would you tend to say that more often it's the soldier that wants to defect and the wife has to be convinced? Or would you say more often the wife is wanting to defect and the soldier has to be convinced by her? Uh, generally, it's uh, soldiers. Uh, if the soldiers want to defect, um, if the soldiers want to, I saw the same spouses, uh, they, uh, they, they play a big role in this defection process. Uh, they encourage the husband. Uh, the uh, other story, uh, the soldiers who himself want to do the defect. So at the time, the, the wife also, mostly, mostly, most of the wife agree with, with him. Um, so I, I think it is balanced. Some some story the soldiers uh want to defend himself. Some story uh the wife encouraged him to defend. Looking now at the soldiers and those members of the military that remain there, uh, I wonder what you can say about the general opinion of why so many soldiers have decided to stay in the military and what they might be thinking now. Uh, most of the soldiers do not like the military generals for launching the coup. Our country has been under military dictatorship for so long, and it only made our country very poor. Most of the soldiers know that, and that is why many are against the coup. Of course, they were always calculative, uh, opportunistic people uh, that think military coup will be beneficial for them. But they are a minority. The majority are those uh, that do oppose the coup. And that is why we need to help them raise their voices. We need to remove the barriers that exist to stop them from being able to oppose the generals. So we talked a few minutes ago about why the wives, why the spouses chose to defect and why they chose to stay. What about the soldiers? What would you say are the main reasons why soldiers choose not to defect but to stay in the military? 
for this question, uh, I am only the wife of a soldier, so I cannot tell you in general about the soldiers. But one of the most important reasons is the safety and livelihood of the family after defection. The soldier is concerned about where the family would live, uh, about uh, whether they will have enough to eat, about whether they will be safe. In short, uh, it is the things that happen after defection. Uh, if we can grant them food, shelter, health care, and a decent livelihood, uh, many soldiers and their families would defect rather than living like prisoners of the military generals. Uh, thank you. Mm, right, that's a powerful answer. So, in other words, you're saying that it's a question of resources more than loyalty. And it's your belief that if organizations like yours were to get adequate funding and resources, then that would be enough to encourage soldiers and their wives in much greater numbers to leave the military because they would have some kind of guarantee of security and safety and livelihood. Uh, yes, sure. Mm, that's great to keep in mind. That's also why our nonprofit makes sure to allocate funds for those programs, and we'll be allocating more and really encourage listeners out there to continue supporting Earmark towards this, because we learn here, it's really just uh, a lot of the question comes down to resources. And if there's just more resources, that will enable greater defection. So that's very powerful. However, that being said, those soldiers that do defect, that do want to defect, even when they're promised resources and livelihood and uh, Burmese people embrace them when they come, the actual process of uh, a a soldier and his wife and perhaps family and children physically leaving the military to go into another place, that's that itself is a risk. So I'm wondering what you can say about what are the risks to soldiers and their families who do choose to defect? Uh, yes. Uh, as the war has seen, the military shows no mercy. Uh, it executes people on the streets. Uh, it beats up young women mercilessly. It has killed many children. Uh, these risks are there also for the soldiers and their families. Even the soldier is not killed, the soldier will surely face life imprisonment or the death penalty because the military genius will accuse them of being traitors. Uh, the family members could be taught and sent to prison as well. The risks involved in opposing the generals are all the same of for us soldiers and civilians. Uh, but despite these risks, we must do what we must. Mm, yeah, I, I understand. And I really congratulate you and appreciate what you have done. And it's not only you and your family that have left, but as we've mentioned, you have formed this group and this group is in contact with more soldiers and spouses and encouraging similar actions and then. So you, you've mentioned a bit about this group before, but to talk about it in more detail as far as it's safe to share, uh, and if you need to be general, that's also okay. What can you tell the listeners about the, the work in detail about what is being done to encourage military defections? 
Uh, yes, I can tell you. Uh, our work is separated in two parts. Just now, as I said, advocacy and support. For our advocacy efforts, efforts uh, we promote defection via our content strategy that we post on our social media page. Uh, you can visit our Facebook page. In Burmese, Pidu Nimya. In English, uh, Sponsors of People Soldiers. Mm. And our Twitter, uh, our Twitter is um, Blooming Badak. Uh, we also have live stream discussion with other sponsors and esteemed guests every Friday night. Uh, these discussions are streamed uh, so that the wife inside the military can tune in and listen to our messages. Uh, we hope they will be encouraged to defend with their husbands. Uh, our second areas of work is to support the children and wife of defendant soldiers. We provide necessity for their children, some of who are infants. We also provide health care to the family members and to make sure that the families can build a sustainable career after the revolution. So we are currently providing a vocational training in language, sewing, and cooking. Uh, thank you. Mm, right. That sounds really great. That's a really multifaceted program. And can I ask what you do personally? What What are your responsibilities or duties in this organization? Uh, as I founded this organization, uh, I, I am the founder, I am the workers, mm. I am mm. the content writer, <laughs> I am the fundraiser. Yeah. So, far, so far, I work all jobs, yes. Mm. Mm. So you're quite Because busy. this one is what I want to do, uh, my desire and my opinion. That's why I never think mm. uh, I'm tired. Uh, as you know, now we are living in not good condition. Uh, the weather is also so hot. Uh, the water also very, uh, not, not plenty, I mean, not plenty. So the condition, my condition, my now my living condition is not good. Uh, but I work very hard because mm. I want to finish this revolution very quickly. Uh, because uh, last three months ago, I met with other department CDMers CDMRs, I saw in their eyes, they are also uh, want to go back home. I also want to go back home. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why I, I, want, I want for them also, I want to do for them also. Uh, I want to finish this revolution first. So the main, the main thing for the, this revolution, uh, the, the, the soldier, soldier families are also including the uh, main main things in this revolution. So that's why I want to pull out from the military compound. So I think uh, we will finish quickly. That's why. Mm, right. And I imagine with those difficult living conditions, you're also separated from your friends and family and not able to see familiar faces. I imagine that must be hard as well. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Thank you. So you decided to found this organization. You not only wanted to leave yourself, you not only wanted to encourage others to leave, but you actually founded this whole organization, this infrastructure to encourage 
those kinds of operations. Why did you want to establish this on your own? Oh, okay. Uh, just now I mentioned that uh, I want I want to save all all the life. Uh, as you know, um, we want to finish this revolution with the less bloodshed. Um, I want to save the women's and children' life also. Uh, as you know, from the from 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 the. Uh, young generation Z. Uh, I want to save the generation Z life also, uh, because if you know, uh, the military has uh, the military has weapons and gas, so many gas. Uh, we are not balanced in this weapon weapon affairs also. So I want to finish. Uh, that this revolution uh, with the le- least le- least bloodshed. Uh, th- that's why I start this organization, and I make hard, and I call the, I invite the, the spouses or defendant soldiers, uh, to participate in our organization, uh, from their voice. Uh, one person can shifted their decision. So I I always uh, welcoming the deferred deck soldier wife also. Yes, mm. thank you. That's that's really wonderful. That's really inspiring that you're undertaking that and in these conditions. I, I know that many Burmese right now are quite upset with the military. Since you've left, how have you found they've responded to you and you and your husband? Uh, to be told, initially when we defected, many people were not fully trusting of us. Back then, many people still did not know much about the defection strategy. Uh, but now public opinion has shifted. And the public and the NUG government is supportive of defection. Uh, we are very happy to have the support of the public which give us the strength to continue doing our work. Thank right, you. and that's an important point that you bring up where you're talking about trust and that when you left, the people didn't really have any idea if you were very, if you were serious about your idea to leave or if you were perhaps a spy, a Delan, of trying to get information. I'm sure that when you speak to other soldiers and wives who are talking about defecting, you might have the same suspicion. You need to make sure that you can trust them and that they're serious about what they say they want to do. So how do you do that? Uh, that is a good question. Uh, I saw my husband uh, because now he is doing uh, this job. So he always believes, he always believes uh, all the papers. Uh, firstly, he gives the trust. So I, I like I like that uh, we need this trust. After that, he check uh, whether it is real or not. So they, they can check as they are soldiers uh, who is real soldiers or not. So after that, they accept. We we did not we did not meet uh, any uh, any real one. Yes. Hmm. Right. 
that that's good. That's that's good to hear. Uh, I know that you mainly deal with military, but there are also people that are trying to encourage the police from defecting. And I'm curious what you find the difference might be between a policeman and a soldier in Myanmar. And is it easier to have the police defect than the soldiers? Uh, I think police is more easier. The the law also police has uh, not not strong has not strong law about this defection because the soldiers have strong law. Uh, they they cannot defect since since uh, they enter to the terminal. They have strong law. I think that the very 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 strong law. Hmm. Right, and another thing that I've heard people talk about is that there's a critical number that they're trying to encourage with defections. If, they, if they're able to get a certain percentage of soldiers to defect, then momentum will start and it will just build. So is there a certain number, a certain percentage that you're thinking of as something of the, the, the magic number that if you can reach that point, it'll just start building after that? Uh, uh, I don't know exactly about the uh, how how many soldiers defect. Uh, I think the energy government, the energy government will announce uh, how much uh, how many uh, soldiers have defected. Uh, because now we are doing two two works, the marketing. So now we advocate in. Uh, Facebook and other social media is marketing process. So uh, actually, we don't have sales. Uh, the sales person has a few sales person only. So we cannot count because some people are quiet. Uh, they, they never announce that they are CDM, they are defect deck. Uh, so they, they, just, they just stay silently, quietly. So we don't know the kind of person. Uh, uh, we, we we only know the who who contact uh, the what the, the person contact who is uh, CDM or defect tech soldiers. So we we can only know that. Uh, I I I I want I can tell you the how much we are expecting to defect uh, to the civilians. Uh, are we expect <laughs> all including generous. <laughs> that is my desire. <laughs> As I said, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I would like to request all the civilians and all the Myanmar people around the world. Uh, this is our nation efforts. So we have uh, responsible, uh, we have to take part uh, with our possible ways. So. That's only I want I want to request all the Myanmar peoples in here. So we've spoken a bit about what you're doing there in Myanmar and how you're connected with other Burmese people. I'd like to <laughs> move away from inside the country and look at some of the relationships and the support you get from overseas in your experience with foreigners. For those foreigners that you've been in contact with before the coup, after the coup, what kinds of support or concern have you seen from the international community on a personal level? 
Uh, okay. Uh, as I mentioned before, I work uh, in ho hotels uh, as a manager. So <clears throat> I work with some foreigners, including Europeans and Asian as well. Uh, some uh, one Coop Oka, we posted in Facebook. Uh, our country is happening like that. So nobody responds and nobody is asking, uh, are, are we safe or uh, our country is safe? Nobody is asking me, uh, nobody is asking and nobody give pay attention. So I am wondering and I really appreciate that you also foreigner and some couple some of foreigner I see. I met with this 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 couple. They also are very hardworking about our country. So, uh, I mean, uh, some some can stay, uh, some some can stay without asking anything, even though they live in Myanmar, even though they work in Myanmar. Uh, but you and some foreigner I met uh, who are trying and who are hardworking for the for the Myanmar, but I really appreciate you all and um, I I want uh, my ex-colleague foreigners also and all the foreigners uh, who who was work in Myanmar, um, if they also, it is good if they also uh, participate in this spring revolution in some area uh, uh, what in, in in their like possible way with their possible ways? Uh, yes. Yeah, I can understand your answer, and I'm on the other side of what you said. I am a foreigner who lived for many years in Myanmar and feel somewhat of an obligation to help in any way I can, given how much kindness was done to me. I mean, how much material and spiritual and support and friendship that I received, this is really the time to give back now. And, you know, I, I've had Burmese friends that are like family that have done so much for me and have never asked for anything in return, have never uh, even accepted when I've tried to to give back or pay back in some way, or even when I've just said thank you, they, they, they kind of brush it off uh, because they're just doing this out of a sense of love and, and, and deep friendship and intimacy and trust. And so for me, it's, it's very much natural to want to respond and to give in this way. And it's something that I've really tried to encourage other foreigners that have some connection to Myanmar to remember, remember that connection, know that this is a difficult, dark time and that we are in positions of safety and, and freedom and that we can use that in a way to help those that aren't and those that have given us so much in our lives and friendship. You had mentioned working with foreigners on your job before the coup, some of whom were there for, you know, five years, for a long time, really lived and worked and were integrated in Myanmar. And when you wrote them and told them about what was happening, there was simply no response. How did that feel? Did that surprise you? Yes, it is really, it was really surprised me. Um, nobody gave me attention. <clears throat> yes, uh, the sometimes we we have conversation, uh, like chit chat. Uh, what 
how are you? So the, the kinds of greeting was we always sending via message. Uh, after the coup, they, they never sent me this message also. Uh, oh, what's wrong? I, I don't know. Yes. Right. And I think I'm, if I just took a, a guess, I think maybe one reason for some people at least is that they might just feel so uncomfortable and so sorry about what happened that they simply don't know what to say to engage. So they just kind of take the cowardly way out and choose to say nothing and to disappear. But that's really unfortunate. I'm really sorry to hear that that can be a response and it must be quite hurtful to have people that you felt close to and you felt were your friends and who just disappear when you need friends most in your life. Yes, yes. Mm. And then on the other hand, you've mentioned that there have been a couple of people who have shown their support from overseas. And of course, we should mention, we're speaking in English. This is going to a largely international audience around the world who are extremely concerned and, and worried about the situation and are very interested to hear from you and to know how you're feeling, what you're doing, what you need. So looking on the other side of that question, uh, not those foreigners who have disappeared from your life, but those foreigners who are active and engaged and supportive and giving what they can from overseas. What has that feeling been like? Uh, when I met with the supportive uh, people, uh, especially foreigner people, um, I'm really thankful and I... Uh, it is touch. It is touch us uh, because it make us. Um, we have uh, helping people and uh, the other side of the war. The people from the other side of the war. People from the other side knows uh, what is happening in Myanmar, and uh, only knowing we are happy, but uh, helping if they are helping. Uh, we feel very touched and we really appreciate. Yes. Mm, and I imagine it's not just a question of being in the country or out of the country or a foreigner or a Burmese. This is a human condition that we sometimes don't really know who we are and we don't know who our friends are. We don't know what we're capable of until we're tested until we find ourselves in an extremely difficult situation. And this coup is definitely an extremely difficult situation. So not just looking at the foreigners who have chosen to engage or not engage, but even I'm sure those Burmese in the country, everyone has to make a decision. What am I willing to sacrifice? What am I going to do? How much risk am I going to take? And I imagine among your Burmese friends and community, you've seen people that have been very honorable and very noble, and you've probably seen people that have not been so. Is, is that true? Mm, yes. Uh, the Burmese people, uh, the culture is... Um, if the one thing is happening, boom, uh, they feel they serious. And then the, this feelings gradually disappear. But now this coup, our Burmese people, uh, they never feel like this. Uh, they are always trying uh, to defend the terminal. Uh, they always uh, don't want to stay 
uh, under the military management. So uh, we Burmese people are trying. Uh, as you know, a human being, as a human being, uh, some people, uh, they will not agree with us. So the kind of people we have, uh, but most of the country, uh, most of the people uh, are trying with various ways uh, to get to victory, to get victory in this revolution. Yes. Mm, and have you seen some Burmese like taking more risks than others? Mm, yes, some Burmese are taking more risks. Some are also staying low profile. Um, some <laughs> they stay nothing related with them. Like I, I, I think I saw like this condition. Mm. And what do you think goes into the condition of those Burmese that are choosing not to be involved? What do you think the reasons for that are? Uh, maybe they, they have re so many reasons. Uh, the first reason is um, they, they think uh, they, they have more risks. Uh, military will uh, contact him if they involved in this revolution. Uh, military will uh, contact their families. So I think uh, that kind of reason, so as you know, uh, uh, the some of the people they can they, they can stay very quietly. Uh, some 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 can stay sacrifice. Some they, they can stay quietly. So the all the human beings are like that. I think, but. I want to suggest all the Myanmar people who live in Myanmar, uh, this is all of our issue. And, and then related with human rights. They are also losing human rights now. So they also have to involve in this revolution. I want to encourage all the Myanmar people who live in Myanmar to please involve in this revolution to win first. Mm, yeah, I, I certainly hope that you'll get that help, not only from the Myanmar people, but from all the foreign listeners as well, because what you're doing is so important and so courageous. And sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And with that, I would just like to thank you so much for coming on and for taking the time to talk about this. We wish you all the success from here and appreciate you taking the time to share what you're doing. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, okay. Uh, I would like to say our revolution is close to victory, but in order to ensure that uh, it is won with the least bloodshed, uh, we must support the defection movement. That is why I would like to ask everyone listening and everyone who can help to help us. Uh, you can help us to win this revolution. Thank you. It should be clear to everyone just how dire the situation is in Myanmar. We are doing our best to shine a light on the ongoing crisis, 
and we thank you for taking the time to listen. If you found today's talk of value, please consider passing it along to friends in your network. And because our nonprofit is now in a position to transfer funds directly to the protest movement, please also consider letting others know that there is now a way to give that supports the most vulnerable and to those who are especially impacted by this organized state terror. If you would like to join in our mission to support those in Myanmar who are resisting the military coup, we welcome your contribution in any form, currency, or transfer method. Every cent goes immediately and directly to funding those local communities who need it most. Donations go to support such causes as the Civil Disobedience Movement, CDM, families of deceased victims, and the purchasing of protective equipment and medical supplies. Or if you prefer, you can earmark your donation to go directly to the guest you just heard on today's show. In order to facilitate this donation work, we have registered a new nonprofit called Better Burma for this express purpose. Any donation you give on our Insight Myanmar website is now directed to this fund. Alternatively, you can visit our new Better Burma website, which is betterburmaoneword.org, and donate directly there. In either case, your donation goes to the same cause, and both websites accept credit cards. You can also give via PayPal by going to paypal.me slash betterburma. Additionally, we can take donations through Patreon, Venmo, GoFundMe, and Cash App. Simply search Better Burma on each platform and you'll find our account. You can also visit either website for specific links to those respective accounts or email us at info at In all cases, that's Better Burma, one word, spelled B-E-T-T-E-R-B-U-R-M-A. If you would like to give in another way, please contact us. Thank you so much for your kind consideration.